Something interesting happened to me the other day. I played quite well on the golf course, which was awesome, obviously. But I would have never guessed that I would have ended up playing well based on how I warmed up. My warm-up, it felt terrible. My swing felt bad, I felt stiff, my shots weren't going where I wanted to, and my confidence was kind of low. I was almost dreading teeing off on the first tee. And it taught me a valuable lesson that I wanted to break down today. What to do when you have a bad warm-up, what matters, and what doesn't matter. Alright, so Sam, when we're talking about relatable golf problems, Mm -hmm. one of the most relatable is being on the range before your round and just everything going south. Can't put the club face on the ball, get the driver out the bag, it's going in every direction. And it's only natural, at least for me, to start freaking out a little bit. But you're here to tell me that it's actually not all bad news when you have a bad warm-up before you Yeah, well, Luke, as you know, I have a lot of experience with bad warm-ups uh, <laughs> because I have a lot of experience with bad golf in general. However, um, there's a lot of evidence that suggests that a bad warm-up can actually be uh, a good thing. Mm-hmm. And a great story is from a few years ago. It was the old uh, WGC Bridgestone Invitational on Firestone. Hideki Matsuyama warms up and has the worst form of, of his season. Yeah. Doesn't have it, fighting it, you know, hitting big cuts that he was not expecting. Goes out and shoots 61 and wins by five. So so what happens between the two? And the, the working theory, it's not just a theory, I think this is what happens, is that when a player has a bad warm-up, they suddenly are in this, they enter this sort of problem-solving mode. Mm. And... Um, that they probably wouldn't have if they're just in a great rhythm and they're not thinking. And they're suddenly a little sharper than that maybe they would have been. The The contrast to that is, um, you know, you're, you're hitting it great and you're not really, you're not really having an understanding of what you're doing or why. And some people say that's good. You're sort of in the zone. The problem is that as soon as you leave that zone, you don't really have uh, the kind of building blocks that helped you, you know, arrive at that at that form. Whereas you're struggling, you suddenly have this. Uh, I'm just trying to get the club face square. You're much more locked in on a very specific goal, and it actually strangely frees you up. Yeah, and I think that this is a really important point because this happens to pros all the time. I mean, they warm up more than anybody else because mm-hmm. they're playing the most golf, and not all of those warm ups turn out well. Right. Like you were saying with Hideki Matsuyama, and of course it's nice when they're playing well and they don't have to think about it and everything's going well, but oftentimes what you'll hear pros say is that they actually played their or they scored their best mm-hmm. when they actually were working through like one swing thought, for instance, because right. it gives them something to focus on and to take it a step further from that when you have a bad warm-up sometimes that can be a real blessing in disguise because it forces you into this problem solving right. mode where all of a sudden you're not on cruise control you're saying okay let's give myself something to think about and let's sort of put something in place where i can bring it back to base how often have we in covering golf heard about a tour player who goes out and shoots a good score and he says you know I talked to my coach last week and we just like worked on this one little thing. And as a result, you know, everything else fell into place. And what happens usually in those instances is by focusing on this one thing, probably that one thing did help, but it helped also just eliminate all the other clutter mm-hmm. in your mind. I mean, every golf swing is a, you know, a confluence of 25 different movements, but when they're sort of locked in on this one thing, um, it helps kind of crystallize 
something that they, you know, they need to work on and eliminates all the other noise that they're contending with. Yeah, because when everything's going well, that's when complacency, uh, that's when complacency slips mm -hmm. in, right? And so that's why it doesn't last. When ultimately, when things are going south, you're not allowed to be complacent anymore mm -hmm. because you're focusing on every little detail. Um, it kind of, too, like, can help reset you know, with something we've talked about in the past, reset some of your mental expectations. Mm -hmm. Reminds me of the Tiger Woods story of him talking about, you know, having a really terrible warm up at the Masters one year and asking himself, what was my goal of warming up? And mm -hmm. it was simply just to warm up, right? That helped bring him back to center and he went out and played well that day. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of good that can come from the bad. Yeah, I mean, again, I think, I think there's this sort of fine balance between... Uh, being too focused and too granular in your details, but having a little bit of clarity on, I just want to, I'm like, I'm working on this one thing. My weight shift was really good here. It allows you to just, it allows you to, to have, you know, a singular point of focus. I was thinking about how, you know, you have these stories about, and I, I've experienced it myself, like when you're struggling, you know, maybe, maybe for you progress is like, listen, I just, you know, I got the ball airborne and it's out there and it allows you, again, we talked about expectations. It allows you just something to build on. Mm. And, and it, and it just helps again, in a weird way, settle you down. You're no longer thinking about making birdie on the first hole. You're just looking to kind of get it up around the green and walk off with, you know, a par or a bogey. So it just, it's just this strange thing that happens. And, and again, the contrast is the guy who's striping it on the range and feels great suddenly when the, the first whiff of adversity, they're like, wait, that wasn't supposed to happen. And I was hitting it great. What's happening? I was hitting it so great. And how, how often yeah. does that happen? All the time. And because you have no idea what you were doing when you were doing it right. right. You know, like you were just, everything was easy. It was going mm -hmm. well. Oh, I hit a bad drive off the planet. Like freak out mode starts happening. That's like a recipe for it. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot of value to your point. And when a bad warm up happens, mm -hmm. don't freak out. Just get into problem solving mode. When we're talking about getting into this problem-solving mode, right? One strategy that pros use a lot is just take their shortest wedge out of their bag, just start making tiny swings, chip shots sometimes. All they're trying to do is put the club face on the ball and then building up slowly from there. I mean, this is something that pros do all the time and it's something the rest of us can do too. Give yourself something to build on, right? Yeah. And sometimes that's as simple as making solid contact on a chip shot. Yeah, the other thing you hear a lot um, in professional golf settings and a lot of settings is focusing on breathing, mm. which seems like a dumb thing to do because we're all breathing all the time. Um, but breathing properly and focusing on breathing properly does two things. One, physiologically, you know, there's all this, uh, these studies that, it, you know, breathing properly, focusing on exhaling allows your heart rate to drop and, and actually reduce the level of, you know, cortisol in your body. So you're, you're less stressed overall. The other thing it does is by focusing on breathing, what are you doing? You're not focusing on other things. Yes. You're focusing on, you know, the pace of your breath and the length of your exhale, you're not focusing on the fact that you might have shanked two balls out of bounds, you know, on the practice tee or all these other things. It allows you to just have a singular point of focus, which, again, allows you to remove a lot of the clutter in your head. So Tiger Woods is notorious for using breathing to his advantage. I mean, when you watch that guy on the range, you know, he's hitting a few shots. I mean, literally one or two golf shots sometimes. 
then stepping back away, talking to his caddy, putting the club away, taking a drink of water, eating something, and then he resets, goes back into the shot because he's combating the tendency there of going too fast, which is something all of us do when we start getting nervous, when we're worried about how things are going, our instinct is telling us, let's do more, 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 hit more, mm -hmm. more shots, when really taking that breath, taking that moment is probably one of the best things you could do for your game. Yeah, it also reminds me, and 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 it's a good reminder for all of us, is that we're on the range, you know, we're hitting 25 seven irons in a row. That's not how golf is played, <laughs> yeah, exactly. right? So, you know, the fact that you hit a seven iron and then the seven iron you hit five seconds later didn't go well, you know, that's not a, that's not a great prox, you know, uh, facsimile for how we play right. golf. So recognize that having some space between shots actually can help you a lot of times. So yeah. Don't worry that you know, you're not in this great rhythm on the range because that's not really a, a, an accurate representation of golf. Yeah, exactly. So start small, you know, slow yourself down, take some breaths. Like it's not more is better in this situation. You're just kind of resetting. You know, another thing that pros are really focused on is their fundamentals. I mean, they obsess over mm -hmm. really boring things like their setup because they know that that's one of the few things in their golf swing they can have complete control over. So that's, I think, another thing that a lot of coaches will say to uh, amateur golfers like the rest of us, when it's not going well on the range, just throw an alignment stick or a club on the ground, make sure to get comfortable in your setup, check your posture, check where you're aiming, check your ball position, all these boring things. Just do a little bit of a checklist and, you know, these are the things that you have maximum control over in your own golf swing. So just make sure that they're all in positions that you want. Them. Let me ask you a question. Uh, we're talking about, you know, warming up on the range. We've all had this experience of on the putting green. Oh, my God, I haven't made a putt. Mm. I, just, I, don't, I don't have it here. Do the same principles apply in, in the short game and putting? I think so. Um, the only difference is with putting that the fundamentals are slightly different. So like on your full swing, you know, your fundamentals may be ball position, grip, posture, alignment for the most part. Um, when it comes to putting, it's alignment, but it's also things like start line or green reading or, you know, these are kind of the building blocks of putting. So, you know, what does that look like when you don't feel like you have it on the range? Like look for a, a severe right to left breaking putt and practice trying to hit that putt where it ends, where the ball ends above the hole, for instance. Or, you know, like if you're struggling to put the club or start the club face on the ball, on the line that you're intending to, instead of trying to hit a 15 footer, back it up to two and a half feet and just focus on just trying to put that ball into the hole and building slowly backwards from there. It's really all about starting small enough where you can give yourself some kind of positive mm -hmm. and then using that to build the rest of your game sort of upon it. Well, it all speaks to this idea that what you said earlier about warmups or warmups. These yeah. are, this is not the time to fix all that ails your golf game, right? Yeah. It's a brief, you know, prelude to actually playing golf. You know, if there are major fundamental flaws in your game, you're going to need to deal with that another time. Yeah, I'm so happy you said that too, because that was one other thing I wrote down, which is that when you're on the range, you're about to go play, now's not the time to fix things. So I think what a lot of coaches often say is just try to identify what you're going to go play with that day. So, you know, if I'm looking at a ball that's slicing 30 yards, I'm 
obviously not going to be super thrilled about that, but that may just be what you have today. And guess what? I've had my money taken by people who hit 30 yard slices all day because they know what's coming and they know how to play it. They're not trying to reinvent the wheel with 10 minutes before their tea time, trying to figure out how to combat it. They're just trying to figure out, okay, this is probably what I have today. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to look for the curve, identify what I have and mentally prepare myself to play And actually it. that ties in uh, really well to one of the earlier things we said. And again, I'm not a 30 yard slicer, but I occasionally have a cut in my, my driver, which is that the guy who has a 30 yard slice in the T, maybe progress for them is it suddenly goes from a 30 yard slice to a 15 yard slice. Right. And suddenly it's like, okay, I've made incremental progress. It's not as bad as it was. I can work with this. Yeah. And like, you know, another trap I see uh, amateur golfers fall into all the time is that they'll be on the range and they're not hitting the ball as far as they want. And so suddenly they just start swinging harder, right. you know? Guess what? You're not getting that extra 10 yards just by swinging harder today. That ship has already sailed. If you want more speed, you need to do all sorts of different things differently and that's okay, but that's not the task ahead for the round. The way you turn like a bad warm-up into a good warm-up is by just identifying what you have and then preparing yourself to put that into play. Okay guys, it is June, which means the US Open is right around the corner. This also means that Father's Day is right around the corner. Perhaps you're a father yourself and you want to send a little hint to the wife and kids. Perhaps you're thinking about your own dad and a gift idea for him. We have the perfect Father's Day gift idea. That's Golf Digest Plus. This is the gift that keeps on giving. You get new issues of the magazine in your mailbox all year long. All of our digital stories completely unlocked, even some written by Christopher Powers. You get access to our Places to Play course library, the golf ball hot list, the shoe guides. You even get access to our Build Your Own Bag feature. And in case I didn't mention it, stories written by Christopher Powers. That's enough of the highlights. If you're listening to this podcast, you know this is a no-brainer for Dad this Father's Day. Go to golfdigest.com slash plus. Again, that's golfdigest.com slash plus and buy your dad the gift of Golf Digest.